it's great to be here with you this morning. It's great to be worshiping with you this morning. And uh, man, we're in a series called Laying Hold. In fact, this is the last week of the series. We're putting an exclamation point on it today. And so we've been in a series this, really this whole first quarter here, talking about prayer. What does it mean to lay hold of that privilege of talking to our God on a regular basis? And as Warren Wiersbe said, laying hold not of God's reluctance, but of God's willingness, right? Laying hold not of God's reluctance, but of God's willingness. It's not that we need to come storming in, banging on a door, demanding because God is unwilling. Everybody say, not that. It's not that. It's that God is so willing to pour it on. And so what does that look like? And how should I be going after that? What things should I be laying hold of then that that can be true? And uh, so that's what we've been walking through over the course of this uh, couple of months. Today we're going to use this passage, Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23, is sort of a summary of all of it. We're going to get our arms back around the whole of it and kind of close out with a, a focus on all the pieces, all right? So that's where we're headed. Uh, the first point here, if we're going to do this, we have to lay hold of waiting and companionship. Lay hold of waiting and companionship. This means until there's a yes or a no, we're waiting on our God and we're calling other people to be praying with us. Laying hold of waiting and companionship as we start in Acts 4 verse 23. And uh, as usual, when we dive into a passage, we need to make sure we understand the context before we get going. So I want to make sure we get the gist of where we're at here before we dive in. So back in Acts chapter 3, we actually have John and Peter, and they're coming up to the temple for worship. And as they're coming up, there's this lame man who's on the side of the uh, road there, and, and he actually normally is there, and he's asking for alms. He's asking for some kind of money to be thrown at him. And he's asking this over and over as each person that walks by. And Peter ends up stopping, and he connects eyes with him, and he says, look at me. And the guy looks up at him, and he says, silver and gold have I none. Now, you can imagine in that moment, the guy's like, then what do you have me looking at you for, right? He's like, silver and gold have I none, and, uh, but what I do have I give to you. Stand up in the name of Jesus. And in that moment, this guy that everybody has seen asking for alms for years on end is launched to his feet. He is doing a dance of joy. He's coming into the temple with them. He's celebrating with all he's got. Peter decides, looks like an awesome time for a message. So as he's got people kind of hanging around and asking some questions, he decides to bring a few words. I actually just recorded a few of them down here. Acts chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, Peter, in the height of his message, decides, I think it's time for the Holy Spirit to be challenging you through my words. So he says, you denied the holy and righteous one. Everybody say, that's Jesus. Right? You denied the holy and righteous one. This is Peter talking. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you instead. He's talking about at the cross as the murderer is released and Christ is sent to the cross, and you killed the author of life. That's a pretty powerful statement. And uh, he decided, you know what? 
I'm going to bring it here, and they're going to know what's true about Jesus Christ and all that's going on. You killed the author of life. Listen to those words with the word killed and life in the same sentence as he's trying to make this huge point about the ridiculousness of what they've gone after. He continues to uh, berate them a little bit and bring it hard. And uh, I love this statement, Acts chapter 4, verse 2. And the priests and the Sadducees were greatly annoyed. (laughs) Do you think? As he stands up and he's like, you all have made a horrible mistake. Let me see how many different ways I can say that to you. And he starts bringing it hard on them. And the priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they've like had enough, man. They're greatly, you can imagine them sitting there like this. Can't believe what he's doing right now. Got to shut this guy down. Are you going to say it or am I going to say it? Somebody's got to do something. I'm not going to sit here and listen to this guy anymore. That's what's going on in chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. And it says, um, they arrested him. They're like, that's it. Get him out of here. They arrested him. But many believed. And that number came to 5,000. You got to hear me, man. As Peter is standing up and delivering, while some were not listening, many were listening. And the Holy Spirit was moving, and God was changing lives. And while they had gone years and seen just a couple hundred kind of commit to Christ, in just a couple of days, they've already seen thousands coming to Christ. God has a plan. Everybody just say, God has a plan. And God has a plan in this huge moment. And so I just thought, uh, I'll just start reading at verse 13 here of chapter 4, and we'll kind of get a running start into verse 23. It says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. They're like, how in the world is this guy talking like this? And, uh, they recognized that he had been with Jesus. That's a big moment right there. As they're like, maybe this Jesus even educates you when you're uneducated. Maybe he gives you the ability to speak when you didn't have an ability. And, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Because really, what can you say? Hey, what you're saying is a bunch of junk. I mean, minus the standing layman thing right here. That's kind of a big deal. But other than that, really... What you're saying is kind of silly, and right, and so they thought maybe we better just stay quiet right now. And uh, but what they had commanded, but they had commanded them to leave the council. They conferred with one another, saying, "What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it." In other words, we thought about denying it. That would be handy. If we could just say, well, I didn't see any lame man. I don't know what you're talking about, lame man thing. I didn't see any of that. But everybody has seen it. In order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Everybody say, that's Jesus. Don't speak in the name of Jesus. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Yeah, that'll go well with Peter, right? And, uh, hey, man, we need you to shut up. And, uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't do that well anyway. And now you're asking me to do that when it's actually truth. 
And, uh, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, make sure you hear those words. There's a pretty good verbal beatdown going on. When they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. What's the point of that last statement? A whole generation has seen this man begging. A whole generation has seen this man in need. And now they're laughing and talking with him while he walks and jumps and laughs and points and celebrates the name of Jesus Christ. That's the setup to where we are. Now, you got to remember from the other side, the disciples, they've seen Jesus captured. They've seen him taken prisoner. They've seen him walked away. It didn't go well. So when Peter and John are arrested and taken away, they're not sure what's coming next. And as they go home and gather together and they start praying and wondering what's God going to do next, they have no clue what's unfolding on the other side. So what we just read, they didn't know, all right? So now we're going to pick it up again, lay hold of waiting and companionship. Here we go in verse 23, as the friends, the disciples are waiting back home in partnership. It says, when they, this is Peter and John, when they were released... They went to their friends, and they reported. They went to their friends. Now, you got to remember how that goes down, right? For us, it would be like, get on the cell phone, right? And you're out now, and you're like, hey, I got out. I'm coming. I'll be over there in a few minutes, right? Or maybe you're just texting if you can text. You know, I'm on my way right now. I'll be over there in a few. Smiley face send, right? And you put that. They don't have any of that. So they're on their way out, and there's no way to communicate it until they get to the door. And they come up to the door where the disciples are at, and they're like, hey, man, you ready? Here we go. And the friends come over and open up the door. Whoa! What are you kind? They're here. They're out. Come here. Check this out, man. And everybody's rallying to the door, and Peter and John are walking in, and man, do they have a story to tell. And it says, they reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And uh, we don't know what that went like, but I got to imagine there had to be a little bit of disrespect going on. Just that kind of like, oh yeah, and then they're like, you're not saying that anymore, Right? And John's like, yeah, and then Peter's over there. He's like, oh, no, you didn't say that to me. And then Peter, he's like all up in their face. He's like, hey, you can tell me whatever you want, but I'm going to keep talking about this Jesus. And, oh, dude, you should have seen their face when they had this face like, I just want to kill you, and I have nothing I can do about it. And so they just kept yelling at us and telling us really mean things that we're not even going to record for you. And then they let us go. They had nothing to say. Our God has more power. And all of God's people said, can you imagine that moment? These guys have bought into following after the Messiah. His name is Jesus Christ. They were longing for him to take over and rule in Israel, and it didn't go the way they planned. He went to a cross and died. 
They're shocked, they're stunned, they're away and hiding. They're praying and wondering and confused. And then Jesus shows up. And he's resurrected, he's alive. There is power in Jesus Christ. There is life in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden they start to get this new understanding of things. And then he's like, just hang on, you wait till the Holy Spirit comes. Then start sharing. And when the Holy Spirit comes on them, all of a sudden thousands upon thousands are trusting in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And then the disciples are like, oh, I get what's going on now. Now I see how we're going to make much of his name. And uh, that's where they were at. As they had waited alone in the house, praying together, hurting together, wondering together, now they've heard the story about the chief priests and the elders, it says, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. They lifted their voices together. That was no quiet moment. This was a massive moment of celebration. And in fact, they record just a little bit of what was said, and we'll get there in just a second. They celebrated together. They were waiting together. They were longing together. There was a companionship. There was a prayer partnership. And until there's a yes or a no, we are praying. We are hungering. And man, their prayer on this one, Lord, please let Peter and John somehow get let out. May they be okay. God, may you answer. And God's answer to that prayer was yes. May they be released. They're out. They had a huge answer to prayer. Praise be to God. How are you doing with your waiting? How are you doing with your longing? Are you bringing others in and partnering with them? Do you have a couple of friends with you that are going to be praying with you until there's a yes or until there's a no. Are you in? Man, prayer, it starts with us saying these words. God, you're in charge, and you have a plan, and I will wait on you. Remember the phrase, in due time. We will trust in our God, and he's got a plan, and what he answers is the answer, and I'm waiting on you, God, in due time, and do that in a partnership together. Man, if you're not in an impact group, get in one. That is like our crucial connecting spot for companionship and partnership in this church, where we pray for each other, where we rally together and long for each other. There is a huge partnership that goes on in these impact groups, and you can be bringing your struggle to that group and longing together as you wait with companionship. How are you doing with your waiting and with your partnering? Lay hold of that with all you've got. Number two, number two here, lay hold of praise. Lay hold of praise. And so I love this. It says that they lifted up their voices together to God. Now it captures what they said. They start out, Sovereign Lord. Just so you know, if you're looking to start a power prayer, that's a great start, right? Sovereign Lord, like you're in charge of everything. Sovereign God. And remember, sovereign, we've given a little definition to that. 
If you're not sovereign over all, you're not sovereign at all, right? Sovereign, this speaks to the wholeness. Everything is under him. Everything. God is sovereign over it all. Isaiah 45, 7, it says, yes, both the good and the calamity run through the hands of God. He is in charge of all of it. And we have to make good sense out of that. Make sure you understand that and think that through. This is not a battle against good and evil where God barely has a handle on it. God is sovereign over all. Everybody just say, he is sovereign. He is sovereign. And so what a great starting point of prayer. Oh, sovereign Lord. And you own it all, right? Then they said, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Let's be clear about this sovereignty. You're not just ruling over it. You created it. You made the heavens the very place that these spiritual beings, these angels belong, this place that we call the residing place of God himself. He's created heaven. He's created earth, this physical, tangible, substantive clay and dirt and whatever earth. God said, let there be, and there was. He spoke it into existence. It says, and you created the sea, Not just the physical earth, but now the water, the wet of it as well. Not just the dry, but the wet. And he created all of that together. God had a plan in it. And then it says, and you created every creature within them. Within the heavens, the earth, and the sea. God created it all. Man, he speaks and it exists. By his presence, we are all sustained as we are. All God would have to do to end any rebellion is just stop sustaining, and it's over. He is sovereign, and we trust in him. God rules, man. Do you get that? Does your prayer show that? Do you bring the praise that lifts him up and celebrates. And, um, you know, we're kind of in the middle of a March Madness week going on, right? And there's been a lot of bracket busting already, and there's been different things taking place. March Madness is one of those kind of weird events where some people, you're like, hey, are you into this? And they're like, couldn't care less, right? Really couldn't care. And, uh, and other people are like, no, really, I'm, it, I, I care a lot. Like for four and a half minutes of every game, right at the end, I watch that like I'm the best fan ever. And then when it's done, I can't even remember who won. But I love watching it. It's intense. And I'm in it for that. And then there's the people where when the game is over, some are weeping. Their lives are destroyed. And others are celebrating And the guys are tearing their shirts off, their jerseys, and they're whipping them, and they're celebrating all over the place. This is amazing, right? That's quite the spectrum of response, isn't it? Yes! All the way to, who cares, right? And just so you know, our prayer life kind of walks that spectrum, sadly, over the course of time. And we miss so much because we're not actually invested in 
And I'm just telling you, there's times where we even invest in, we're kind of like that middle guy with the March Madness thing, where we like really, really care. And then it's done and we're like, never mind, I'm done now. And so we're intent on our prayer like crazy. And, and, and then whenever the prayer is answered, whichever way it goes, we're like, yeah, done. And we kind of move forward. Man, may our praise be stirred not by the size of our problem, but by the size of our problem solver. You hear me? May our praise be stirred not by the size of our problem, but by the size of our problem solver. Man, he is always who he is, which means no matter what kind of problem we're in, little or nothing, all the way to massive and huge, it doesn't matter. My praise is the same because my God is the same. Bring your praise with all you've got. Celebrate him with all you have. Oh, sovereign Lord. Oh, God who is love. Oh, God who can do anything, who can see it all and knows everything. You are awesome. And that never changes. And all of God's people said, hey, question, how's your praise? How are you doing in your prayer life to bring praise? Bring it early, bring it often, make it all about your God, not about the circumstance. How are you doing with that? Celebrate your king, all right? So the first, laying hold of waiting and companionship. The second, laying hold of praise. And now the third, lay hold of scripture. Lay hold of scripture. He just got done, they got done saying out loud, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now they're transitioning their prayer into a quote of scripture. They say, Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to stop there for a second. If you're looking for a definition of inspiration of Scripture, this is quite the verse. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 25 here, just phenomenal. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit. He's like, so the lips of David were used, the breath of David was used. Remember, out of the lips from us, right, it's speaking forth what our heart is where our heart is, right? And so out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so David is spewing forth. He is speaking out and he's making a statement that was recorded in scripture. We're going to see it's Psalm chapter two, verses one and two in just a second. And so David is spewing this off of his lips. That means his heart was stirred to be there. And it says, by the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit is inspiring and moving And David is using his words. And we've described this before, but this is a really good way to think of it. So I'll use it again. Um, Just imagine that the words and the thoughts and the experiences of the man, whether it be a prophet or a king or an apostle, as they recorded down scripture, those words and thoughts and experiences, those are like the paintbrushes and the paints, okay? And the Holy Spirit works with those and he paints out. And so it is, it is the words of the man, it is the thoughts and the vocabulary, it's their insights, their experiences, and it's the Holy Spirit moving through them. The Holy Spirit is not dictating, here's your exact words, he is inspiring, 
He's using the very pieces of that man to bring out the message to be shared. And that's exactly what's captured here. I'm telling you over and over again. You will see the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man coming together in Scripture. And you even see that in the recording of it. And it says here that the mouth of David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, the painting of the paintbrush, the inspiring in of the Holy Spirit, and here's the words that were recorded. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. This is a quote of Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And, and hey, just so you know, in the Hebrew poetry, really important for us to understand a moment of Hebrew poetry here, uh, they have what they call parallelisms, one line and then the next line. And sometimes the first line states the same thing as the second line. It's like synonymous. And sometimes the first line leads to a new thought, an extended thought in the second line, okay? And sometimes it's the exact opposite thought. So whenever you're reading like in the book of Psalms and you're seeing these lines one after another in poetry, just think to yourself, is this the same or is this an extension or is this the opposite? And they're using that poetry to make some statements here we have a lot of synonymous parallelism, stating the same thing. And so check this out. Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? Are you hearing the same statement there? Why did the Gentiles rage? In fact, the word for Gentile there is the word ethne. You're hearing the word ethnic, ethnicity? It's the nations. And so that word got to be used for all those non-Jews. And so Gentile is a very appropriate translation here. Why did the Gentiles rage? Why are they so hot? That's what he's saying. And this is a, actually a prophecy recorded in Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Why are the Gentiles so upset, so hot? Why do the people's plot, notice, in vain? Why do they take a stand against God? It's not going to work. Why do they raise a hand and shake a fist? Jesus Christ will rule. Why do they take a stand against the anointed one and try to knock him down? It's just not going to go anywhere. Don't they see the futility of standing against the sovereign Lord? Don't they see it? And uh, they're quoting this off from Psalm 2. Why did the Gentiles range and the people's plot in vain? It says, the kings of the earth set themselves. The rulers were gathered together. Kings and rulers. The leadership and these are different root names for leadership and rulers that are in charge. And they're like, don't you see it? Even the headship is getting against Jesus Christ and against the Lord. Everybody say, that's God the Father. And against his anointed. Everybody say, that's Jesus. So taking a stand against God the Father and against Jesus himself, that's where they're at. And uh, I love this next two words. For truly, for truly. If you're going to lay hold of Scripture, those two words really need to be a part of your vocabulary. For truly. See, as we start to quote Scripture out, we're like, God, I have been wrestling over this passage, and it so applies to what I'm seeing and where I'm at. For truly. Like, I'm quoting this back to you right now, God, because it's so applicable to what I'm seeing and what I'm living out. For truly, 
He says, for truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. He's like, Jesus is the anointed one, the Messiah. They were gathered together, both Herod and Pontius Pilate. Everybody say those are rulers, right? He's like, hey, I'm seeing this fulfilled right in front of me. Those are rulers standing against and Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. He's like, hey, and the Gentiles and the peoples plotting in vain against him. They took him to the cross. They killed him. And Jesus Christ rose again. He conquered death. He conquered sin. He brought life. He is the resurrected Savior. He is the anointed one. And no one stands against him and wins. They plot in vain. Man, this is their prayer as they rocket forward some praise to him about God and about this scripture being fulfilled. It says, they came, Lord, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. Let that settle. These kings were put in position by you. And you knew what they were going to do. And your hand and your plan said, yep, that's where we're going. You're in charge. You were not caught off guard. You are sovereign Lord. And you have this in hand. And this whole thing with Jesus is not a surprise to you. You've got it in hand. He says... And you predestined this, that means to have determined beforehand, determined beforehand that this was going to happen. Yes, our God predestines. And uh, man, you better wrestle with that word. It occurs several times over in scripture, and it always has to do with God's in charge. Everybody just say, God is in charge. If you got that, you understand the point of this passage. God is in charge, he's got it in hand, and nothing is surprising him. And uh, your hand and your plan, as it was predestined to take place. Know this, God loves you. He knows everything going on in your life. He knows. He is fully capable of partnering with you and working with you and coming alongside of you God can do anything. God has a plan. He is predestining ahead of time. He knows where he's headed. Lean on your king. Trust in him with all you've got. Watch your God work. And all of God's people said, man, here's my prayer for you. Find that scripture that so applies to your life that is so amazingly direct to the circumstance you're in where you can take the words for truly and it changes your whole prayer life. You might be like, God, this news I've just gotten is devastating and I don't even know what to do with it. Lord, I'm barely able to stand up under but I look to you with hope. Why? For truly. 
God, you tell me in Romans chapter 8 that you will work all things together for good to them that love you. Lord, you've got a plan and you're going to be doing something and it's way bigger than I can imagine. And I'm not in this just for the comfort of it all. I'm in it for you to be changing my life and glorifying your name. You've got a plan. Lord, I look at you with fear in my eyes as I see the circumstance. And I'm now turning towards you and I'm saying, for truly, you have your hand on this and I'm trusting in you. And grab scripture and bring it to bear. Quote it out with all you've got and bring those two words for truly. Your God loves you. He knows you. He knows exactly what you're going through right now. And he's in. Partner with him. Lean on him. Praise him. With all you've got. Hear me, man. Do not waste your breath trying to come up with crafty, creative, little personal words. Grab the scripture and bring it. For truly. My God's got a statement about this situation. And I'm in. Maybe you're in a spot right now where you're like, I don't even know what to pray. And talk to your small group leaders. Give a call to the office. We'd love to talk to you as pastors. We will get a passage of scripture. Let's get something that you can be praying and go after it. Make sure you lean on someone around you if you don't have one and lay hold of scripture, all right? I can tell you this. We, uh, this past week, we were in Haiti teaching and training there for some pastors and and it's exciting to watch them get so fired up about being able to bring the word. And uh, we could talk through tactical steps. A big part of our teach last week was being able to teach them how to set up a message and build it off of the passage of Scripture. And so we were talking methodological, right? But there were moments where we bring in the passion of it, and here's what we're about, and here's what we want to see. And you could just see them scooting to the edge of their chair, and there's a, they're almost starting to shake their fist like, yeah, man, I'm so in with that, and let's go after that. And here's the deal. They basically have a Bible and just a couple of extra books that they're using as support, if that. They dig into God's Word, and they bring God's Word, and they can't wait to bring it with all they've got. Man, they lay hold of Scripture. And they're longing to see that nation turned around for Christ. And uh, man, that thing is ridden with voodooism, that island. And, uh, and they are longing to see Christ glorified there. Now, how about your life? Grab God's word. Dig in and find the verses that apply to where you're at and bring it with all you've got. God, you say this, and it is so applicable in my life, for truly, and then move from there. That is laying hold of Scripture. Number four, laying hold of weakness. Hopefully, hopefully you recognize each of these words, right, as we've talked through them. These are all different weeks that we've spoken on. And so if you're like, boy, I'd like to know more about that. You can go back and listen to each of those weeks that has to do with each of these points here. Laying hold of weakness. 
as we now dive in in verse 29. It says, and now, Lord, I love that turn of the corner. They've started out with, you are sovereign. You are awesome. And I love how you even knew this ahead of time. Look at the scripture for truly, right, as they bring all that. And then they're like, and now. They're like, you know, there are needs, but we wanted to get to that way later. First, you, God, you're awesome. And, uh, and now, Lord, look upon their threats. <laughs> Just let those words settle. Look upon their threats. Can you imagine what they're really saying there? Hey, God, you're a just God, right? Yeah. Uh, don't stand good with them right now. As they stand against you, as they try to punish us, Lord, may you hear their threats. And uh, this is a call to action. God, I'm longing for you to step in over there with them, train them and teach them who you are. Look at their threats. And then it says, and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. I mean, you got to get this prayer moment. We're like, okay, we're getting imprisoned. So here's our prayer. God, would you please keep us out of jail? Is that what they prayed? Is that what they prayed? Bigger answer. Is that what they prayed? That's not what they prayed. Did they pray this? God, would you just come quickly and get this done so that we don't really have to do any work? Did they pray that? Here's what they prayed. Lord, may I speak your word with boldness. I will not be moved. I stand by my God. No circumstance will rattle me. No pressure from someone else will push me off. You get glorified. That's the end of it. Your word. Please note that. They did not say, Lord, help me preach really profound words of my own. Lord, help me speak your word with boldness. May I stand up under any pressure for your glory. It says, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Like, okay, God, we will take our stand and you take yours. And I love this statement as Jesus is doing healing work here and they're able to partner with it. And it's amazing to see how as they speak out God's word, there is a partnering of being able to show the power of God and the authority of God in their presence, right? And let's just make sure we understand healing a little bit, okay? Definitely, there are times where God chooses to heal physically. Sometimes God heals physically. Everybody say sometimes. Always. God is invested into healing spiritually. Say always. Always spiritually. Sometimes physically. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever met someone who was healed by Jesus way back then when he was 29, 30, 31, 32 years old, whatever age he was, right before he went to the cross, and he's healing him? Have you met that guy? There's a pretty easy answer to that. Have you met that guy? <laughs> no, right? Where is that guy? He died, right? And so there's, if there's a faith, he's in heaven with him. And so there's death that came. And so even these physical healing moments were short-term. So what's their purpose? To display the power and authority of Jesus Christ and bring them to faith in him. Are you hearing me? Always 
Healing moments are about bringing faith in him that brings eternal effect. They're now able to declare out, we're up to 5,000 who are trusting in Christ, eternity in hand. Will we be able to meet and talk to these who have trusted in Christ? Yes. Man, there's going to be a point where we're in heaven and it is so going to be cool when we're like, wait, 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 when did you get saved? You were like the ninth guy to ever be saved after the Holy Spirit moved. You're kidding me. Dude, I got to hear this story. What was it like? What was going on, right? Just to be able to talk to these people and hear what was happening. Eternity protected and in hand. And so, yes, we long for our God to move in this world. And if he chooses to move physically, praise his name. Amen? And if he chooses to move spiritually, which he is always in the game of, amen. And all of God's people said, and we got to have that on, that game face. My God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. And all of God's people said, man, lay hold of your weakness and bring it before your God and make it real with him. You know, this uh, past week, we had somebody come down front uh, in tears and just uh, sharing some of the hurt that she's going through and some of the heartache, and there's just some really tough pain going on, right? And as she's wrestling with that heartache and pain and trying to figure out um, which way to head with some things, we were able to pray together and partner together down in front here, and the tears really started rolling. And at the end of it, she had a statement to make, and it basically became this. Um, Look, I don't know what God's going to do here, but I do know this. Eternity is already taken care of. Praise be to God. And man, we need to grasp onto that. As we lay hold of our weakness and bring it before our God, may we not become experts of our little pains. May we become expert of God and his massive authority and power and love, and privilege. And all of God's people said, it's a huge deal, man. America, we are one soft group of Christians, right? And we wake up and we're like, oh, wow, Lord, I got a little bit of a pain right now, just kind of right here. Like, if you could take that away, that's our prayer, right? We start praying for the little tiny things. And uh, man, some of us in this room are going through massive things right now. Please, in the midst of your day, say this, God, may I have boldness and your word to stand true by your side no matter what. Now, that's a power prayer. I cannot wait to see what you do. I love you, Lord. All right. That is laying hold of weakness. So question, what is your weakness? What is your need? What is your hurt? Maybe you're like, no, really, I think I can set it aside right now. I'm just going all out praise. Well, praise God for that. Maybe you're not. Maybe you've just begun to face something that is devastating. Maybe you're in the middle of a battle that is deeply painful. Lord, give me boldness as I trust in you. Your hand your plan, God's in charge. 
And all of God's people said, and last, lay hold of the Holy Spirit. Lay hold of the Holy Spirit. And we cannot miss this piece. This is so crucial to our life. Um, It says, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. In other words, an earthquake rumbled the place very locally. Just right in the room right there. And tables are moving and things are going and stuff is happening and hearts are being filled and God is bringing a euphoria and a joy into that room. There is a massive movement of the Holy Spirit right there local. And they are stunned and in awe with the Holy Spirit. It says, and they gathered together, the place where they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 commands us to be filled with the Spirit. And as it does that, it says, be filled. In other words, it's in the passive form. It happens to you. The Holy Spirit fills you. It doesn't say fill yourself, right? Be filled. In other words, let the Holy Spirit do this. It's allow. And there's a confession of sin that's going on, a laying down of self, a letting God lead. And then it's commanded, so get on this. And it's in the continuous ongoing. This is going to be a regular daily event. God, I want to experience a filling from you. Lord, I want to set down my sin. I want to be done with self. I want to praise you with all I've got. Holy Spirit, Fill me up, spilling over to the streets. I cannot wait to taste of you, filled with the Spirit. Man, that is a power moment. And longing for the Holy Spirit to fill you, huge deal. I'm just telling you, I was born and raised in a very traditional church. And so we talked about God the Father, and we talked about God the Son, and we set God the Holy Spirit on the side. And uh, we were like, I don't know, man. Some people do some weird things with that. Let's just keep that over there. And uh, I'm just telling you, we see a very powerful statement about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He fills us up. There is joy that comes from. He guides us. He leads us. He convicts us. The Holy Spirit doing a huge work in you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, His glory transforms you from one degree of glory to the next. We cannot set down the role of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said... Then we got to be on that. And uh, be careful. The Holy Spirit said, my goal is not to glorify myself. So your goal should not be to glorify the Holy Spirit either. Our goal is to glorify God the Son. That's who the Spirit is glorifying and pointing to him. And so we long for the Spirit to point out Jesus. We will worship him and praise him with all we've got. But it is not wrong to cry out for the Spirit to move in your life and to allow him to shape you. And as he's convicting and instructing you and leading you, you will be making more of the Son. That is a partnership. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We interact with the whole of the Godhead. And all of God's people said, huge deal. Man, are you filled with the Holy Spirit. It says here, and all were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continue to speak the word of God with boldness. They continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Did God answer their prayer with a yes? Answer, right? They're like, Lord, help us speak boldly. And he's like, absolutely to that. And what did it take to speak boldly? Filled 
with the Holy Spirit. Do not try to face your problem filled with self-pity. Face your day filled with the Holy Spirit. How do I do that? All out praise. Thank you, God, for who you are. All out confession, right? Lord, forgive me for, very specifically. And as you set the sail with praise and open it up, the Holy Spirit fills and he starts directing and leading you throughout your day. That's a power prayer life. And all of God's people said, laying hold, laying hold of all that God has available for you. Let's go to prayer.